Hello, and welcome to Softer Articles for Sleep. Today we will be reading from the website of Shay Hao on the topic of CSS. CSS is a complex language that packs quite a bit of power. It allows us to add layout and design to our pages, and it allows us to share those styles from element to element and page to page. Before we can unlock all of its features though, there are quite a few aspects of the language we must fully understand. First, it is crucial to know how exactly styles are rendered. Specifically, we'll need to know how different types of selectors work and how the order of these selectors can affect how our styles are rendered. We'll also want to understand a few common property values that are continually appearing within CSS, particularly those that deal with color and length. We'll begin breaking down exactly how styles are rendered by looking at what is known as the cascade and studying a few examples of the cascade in action. Within CSS, all styles cascade from the top of a style sheet to the bottom, allowing different styles to be added or overwritten as the style sheet progresses. For example, say we select all paragraph elements at the top of our style sheet and set their background color to orange and their font size to 24 pixels. Then towards the bottom of our style sheet, we select all paragraph elements again and set their background color to green. Because the paragraph selector that sets the background to green comes after the paragraph selector that sets the background color to orange, it will take precedence in the cascade. All of the paragraphs will appear with a green background. The font size will remain 24 pixels because the second paragraph selector didn't identify a new font size. The cascade also works with properties inside individual selectors. Again, for example, say we select all the paragraph elements and set their background color to orange. Then directly below the orange background property and value declaration, we add another property and value declaration setting the background color to green. Because the green background color declaration comes after the orange background color declaration, it will override the orange background and as before, our paragraphs will appear with a green background. All styles cascade from top to bottom of our style sheet. There are, however, times where the cascade doesn't play so nicely. These times occur when different types of selectors are used and, and the, the specificity of those selectors breaks the cascade. Let's take a closer look at that. Every selector in CSS has a specificity weight, 
a selector's specificity weight, along with its placement in the cascade, identifies how its styles will be rendered. In an earlier episode, we talked about the three different types of selectors, the type, class, and ID selectors. Each of these selectors has a different specificity weight. The type selector has the lower specificity weight and holds a point value of 001. The class selector has a medium specificity weight and holds a point value of 010. Lastly, the ID selector has a high specificity weight and holds a point value of 100. As we can see, the specificity rates are calculated using three columns. The first column counts ID selectors. The second column counts class selectors. The third column counts type selectors. What's important to note here is that ID selectors have a higher specificity weight than class selectors, and that class selectors have a higher specificity weight than the type selector. Please note that specificity points are not computed from a base of 10. Thus, they're written with hyphens in between each number. Class selectors do not hold a point value of 10, and ID selectors do not hold a point value of 100. Instead, these points should be read as 0, hyphen 1, hyphen 0, and 1, hyphen 0, hyphen 0, respectively. We'll take a closer look at why these point values are hyphenated shortly when we combine selectors. The higher the specificity weight of a selector, the more superiority the selector is given when a styling conflict occurs. For example, if a paragraph element is selected using a type selector in one place and an ID selector in another place, the ID selector will take precedence over the type selector regardless of where the ID selector appears in the cascade. Suppose we have a paragraph element with an ID attribute value of food. Within our CSS, that paragraph is selected by two different types of selectors, one type selector and one ID selector. Although the type selector comes after the ID selector in this case, the ID selector will take precedence over the type selector because it has a higher specificity weight. Consequently, the paragraph will appear with the color specified by the ID selector. The specificity weight of different types of selectors are incredibly important to remember. At times, styles may not appear on elements as intended and chances are the specificity weights of our selectors are breaking the cascade therefore our styles are not appearing properly 
understanding how the cascade and specificity works is a huge hurdle and we'll continue to cover this topic. For now, let's look at how to be a little more particular and intentional with our selectors by combining them. Keep in mind that as we combine selectors, we will also be changing their specificity. So far, we've looked at how to use different types of selectors individually, but we also need to know how to use these selectors together. By combining selectors, we can be more specific about which element or group of elements we would like to select. When selectors are combined, they should be read from right to left. The selector furthest to the right, directly before the opening curly bracket, is known as the key selector. The key selector identifies which element the style will be applied to. Any selector to the left of the key selector will serve as a pre-qualifier. Different types of selectors can be combined to target any given element on a page. As you continue to write different combined selectors, we'll see their powers come to life. Before we do that though, let's take a look at how combining selectors changes a selector's specificity weight. When selectors are combined, so are the specificity weights of individual selectors. These combined specificity weights can be calculated by counting each different type of selector within a combined selector. In general, we want to keep an eye on the specificity weights of our selectors. The higher our specificity weights rise, the more likely our cascade is going to break. One way to keep the specificity weights of our selectors low is to be as modular as possible, sharing similar styles from element to element. And one way to be as modular as possible is to layer on different styles by using multiple classes. Elements within HTML can have more than one class attribute value so long as each value is space separated. With that, we can place certain styles on all elements of one sort while placing other styles on specific elements of that sort. We can tie styles we want to continually reuse to one class and layer on additional styles from another class. Using multiple classes, we can layer on as many styles as we wish, keeping our code lean and our specificity weights low. Much like understanding the cascade and calculating specificity, this is a practice that will take time to fully absorb. Now, let us discuss common CSS property values. We've used a handful of common CSS property values already, such as the keyword color values. You 
may not have thought too much about them though. That's okay. We're going to take time now to go over some previously used property values as well as to explore some of the more common property values that we'll soon be using. Specifically, we'll look at property values that relate to color and length measurements. All colors within CSS are defined on the sRGB or standard red, green, and blue color space. Colors within this space are formed by mixing red, green, and blue color channels together, mirroring the way the televisions and monitors generate all the different colors they display. By mixing different levels of red, green, and blue, we can create millions of colors and find nearly any color we would like. Currently, there are four primary ways to represent RGB colors within CSS. Keywords, hexadecimal notation, and RGB and HSL values. Keyword color values are names such as red, green, or blue that map to a given color. These key names and their corresponding colors are determined by the CSS specification. Most common colors, along with a few oddities, have keyword names. For instance, black, silver, gray, red, but also maroon, and fuchsia, and olive, lime, teal, aqua, yellow, olive, navy, and many more are specified as keyword colors. A more complete list can be found on the internet. While keyword color values are simple in nature, they provide limited options and thus are not the most popular color value choices. Hexadecimal color values contain of a pound or a hash sign followed by a three or six character figure. The figure uses numbers zero through nine and letters A through F, upper or lowercase. These values map to red, green, and blue color channels. In six character notation, the first two characters represent red channels, the third and fourth characters represent green channels, and the last two characters represent the blue channels. In three character notation, the first character represents the red channel, the second character represents the green channel, and the last character represents the blue channel. If in six character notation, the first two characters are matching pairs, the third and the fourth are a matching pair, and the last two characters are a matching pair. The six character figure may be shortened to a three character figure. To do this, the repeated character from each pair should be used only once. For example, writing the shade of orange can be represented by the hexadecimal color hashtag FF6600 could also be rewritten as F60 with the hashtag in front. 
The character pairs are obtained by converting 0 through 255 into base 16 or hexadecimal format. The math is a little tricky and worthy of a book on its own, but it helps to know that 0 equals black and F equals white. There are millions of hexadecimal colors, over 16.7 million to be exact. Here's how. There's 16 options for each character in a hexadecimal color, 0 through 9, and A through F. With the characters grouped in pairs, there are 253 col 256 color options per pair. 16 times 16 or 16 squared with three groups of 256 color options we have a total of over 16.7 million colors or 256 cubed hexadecimal color values have been around for a while and they've become fairly popular because they offer a large number of color options. They are, however, a little difficult to work with, especially if you are not familiar with them. Fortunately, Adobe has created Adobe Color, a free application that provides a color wheel to help us find any color we want in its corresponding hexadecimal value. Additionally, most image editing applications, such as Adobe Photoshop, provide the capability to locate hexadecimal color values. RGB color values are stated using the RGB function, which stands for red, green, and blue. The function accepts three comma-separated values, each of which is an integer from 0 to 255. The value 0 will be pure black, and the value 255 would be pure white. As we might expect, the first value within the RGB function represents the red channel, the second value represents the green value, and the third value represents the blue channel. If we were to recreate the shade of orange from before as an RGB color value, it would be represented as RGB parentheses 255 comma 102 comma 0 closing parentheses. RGB color values may also include an alpha or transparency channel by using the RGBA function. The RGBA function requires a fourth value which must be a number between 0 and 1, including decimals. A value of 0 creates a fully transparent color, meaning it would be invisible, and a value of 1 creates a fully opaque color. Any decimal between 0 and 1 would create a semi-transparent color. If we were to create a shade of orange, to appear at 50% opacity, we would use a RBGA color value of RGBA 
open parentheses, 255, comma, 102, comma, 0, comma, 0.5, closing parentheses. HSL color values are stated using the HSL function, which stands for hue, saturation, and lightness. Within the parentheses, the function accepts three comma-separated values, much like the RGB function. The first value, hue, is a unitless number from 0 to 360. The numbers 0 through 360 represents the color wheel. The values identify the degree of a color on the color wheel. The second and third values, the saturation and lightness, are percentage values from 0 to 100%. The saturation value identifies how saturated with color the hue is, with a 0 being grayscale and 100% being fully saturated. The lightness identifies how dark or light the hue value is, with 0 being completely black and 100% being completely white. Returning to our shade of orange, as an HSL for color value, it would be written as HSL, open parentheses, 24, comma, 100%, comma, 50%, closing parentheses. HSL color values like RGBA may also include an alpha or transparency channel with the use of the HSLA function. The behavior of the alpha channel is just like that of the RGBA function. The fourth value between zero and one, including decimals, must be added to the function to identify the degree of opacity. The HSL color value is the newest color value available within CSS. Due to its age and support within browsers though, it isn't as widely used as the other values. For the time being, hexadecimal color values remain the most popular as they are widely supported. Though, when an alpha channel for transparency is needed, RGBA color values are preferred. These preferences may change in the future, but for now, we'll use hexadecimal and RGBA color values. Length values within CSS are similar to color in that there are a handful of different types of values for length, all of which serve distinct purposes. Length values come in two different forms, absolute and relative each of which uses different units of measurement. We're going to stick with the more common and more straightforward values at the moment, as more complex values will provide much more power than we need for now. Absolute length values are the simplest length value as they are fixed to a physical measurement, such as an inch, centimeter, or millimeter. The most popular absolute unit of measurement is known as the pixel and is represented by the PX 
unit notation. The pixel is equal to 198 96th of an inch. Thus, there are 96 pixels in an inch. The exact measurement of a pixel, however, may vary slightly between high density and low density viewing devices. Pixels have been around for quite some time and are commonly used with a handful of distinct properties. For instance, pixels can be used to set the font size for all paragraphs. With the changing landscape of viewing devices and their varying screen sizes, pixels have lost some of their popularity. As an absolute unit of measurement, they don't provide too much flexibility. Pixels are, however, trustworthy and great for getting started. In addition to absolute length values, there are also relative length values. Relative length values are a little more complicated as they are not fixed units of measurement. They rely on the length of other measurement. Percentages are an example of relative length measurements. Percentages represented by the percent unit notation are one of the most popular relative values. Percent, percent lengths are defined in relation to the length of another object. For example, to set the width of an element to 50%, we have to know the width of its parent element, the element it is listed within, and then identify 50% of the parent element's width. Simply put, that 50% will be calculated relative to the width of the element's parent. Percentages are extremely useful for setting the height and width of elements and building out a web page's layout. We're going to rely on them often to help us out in these areas. The EM unit is also a very popular relative value. The EM unit is represented by the EM unit notation. Its length is calculated based on the elements font size. A single EM unit is equivalent to an element's font size. For example, if an element has a font size of 14 pixels and a width set to 5 EM, the width would be equivalent to 70 pixels or 14 pixels multiplied by 5. When a font size is not explicitly stated for an element, the EM unit will be relative to the font size of the closest parent element with a stated font size. There are a lot more absolute and relative units of measurement than those we've mentioned here. However, these three pixels, percentages, and EM units are the most popular and the ones we are going to primarily be discussing. To recap, we discussed how style sheets cascade from the top to the bottom of a file, what specificity is, and how we can calculate it. 
how to combine selectors to target specific elements or groups of elements, how to use multiple classes on a single element to layer on different styles for more modular code, the different color values available to use within CSS, including keywords, hexadecimals, RGB, and HSL values. And lastly, we discussed the different length values available to use within CSS, including pixels, percentages, and EM units. Thank you for listening.